the Mike Tomlin Game Day Podcast with Steelers Digest Editor Bob Labriola. Okay, Coach, uh, earlier in the week you referred to today's opponents, the Tennessee Titans, as battle-tested. What does battle-tested mean? You know, they're an undefeated group, uh, but they've been in some close ball games. They've been behind late in some of those ball games. And I just think you always grow from those experiences, particularly when you're able to be successful. You look at the, the score differential in a lot of their games. Uh, these games have been hotly contested. They stood up in the waning moments and kind of made the significant plays in those moments. And it's come in a variety of phases. They've had, you know, game-winning field goals as time has expired. They've had necessary defensive stops or turnovers. And then, obviously, the, the big man has delivered for them uh, on the other side, along with Tandy Hill. So um, they've won games in a variety of ways. They've had to dig down deep and, and do the things that you need to do to win in this league. And that's what I mean when I say battle-tested. Would you consider your team battle-tested as well? You know, I think that we are, but I don't think that we've, we've had as much exposure as they have. And, and, and so you have to respect that. When a coach is faced with replacing a significant player because of injury, as you are in that situation this week, um, is it important to the team that the coach publicly show his support for the replacement to instill confidence in the other players in the replacement? No, I don't think the team cares what I say publicly, to be honest with you. The team probably has already formulated their opinion about that player by what he's done on a day-to-day -day basis. And in the case of Spillane, um, I can just tell you that the group is excited about him, and that excitement is based on his daily approach and his work ethic uh, and the way that he competes in a practice setting. And they respect that, and that's why they're excited about him. But largely, you know, you can do things as a coach to try to maybe shape a perception, but it doesn't work inside the locker room. Those guys know. They have an opinion, and uh, very little that you say is going to change that. The only thing that's going to change is, is the quality of that player's play eventually. What are the qualities and, and or the characteristics of a number one receiver? A guy that's able to deliver in the moment. And here's a key element of that. Uh, they see you coming. Uh, there's a, there's a routineness to it, meaning they spent all week trying to minimize you in that moment, yet and still you deliver. And, and, and guys that are able to do that, you'll see a, a bunch of young guys step up from time to time, a young talented wide out or have a big game and so forth. The real guys, man, they show up every week. Coaching staffs are drawing up schematics on Tuesday and Wednesday night to minimize them on third down in the, and in the red zone and so forth. And yet and still on Sunday, they still deliver um, and do so routinely. Those are the guys that you are referring to. So then it's almost like it's the opponent that determines who your number one receiver is rather than you just saying – this guy's our number hey, one receiver. Hey, I got news for you. Everybody doesn't have a number one receiver. Just like every franchise doesn't have a franchise quarterback. Uh, everyone, everyone likes to talk like they do, uh, but it's a, little, it's a little poorly kept secret. <laughs> do you have a number one receiver, you think? I don't know yet. Um, it hadn't been enough plays made, to be quite honest with you. It's that routineness element of it that I'm looking for. Once it becomes routine, once I feel like it's routine and people are drawing up schematics uh, to minimize you yet and still you still deliver, then, then I'll be willing to acknowledge it. Until then, I'll just chuckle at some of that who's the number one talk. Uh, you made a change at punter today. Uh, why is that? We made a change earlier in the process in an effort to get better, and quite frankly, we didn't. And so, you know, we got to be light enough on our feet and, and humble enough to acknowledge that. 
and, and make the necessary adjustments in an effort to, to move forward. So that's what we've done. Um, you're going back to Jordan Berry. Why did you choose that alternative? Because in this environment, uh, you were going with what we know. Um, that's com is comfort in that. And, um, and so um, we're, we're, that's, that's the approach that we're taking. Uh, there's a lot that's going on in this COVID environment um, that dictates how you do business from time to time. We're not interested in tripping in a bunch of unknowns, exposing the group and, and things of that nature uh, to the things that come with that. Um, we're just we're comfortable with what he's been able to do with us in the past. He's, a, he's been available and he's willing to work. And so we're moving forward. Uh, the NFL trading deadline is November the 3rd. Uh, from an organizational standpoint, how is that handled uh, with the Steelers? I mean, in terms of who handles what? I mean, uh, you know, gathering information, uh, gauging interest, and then if there was any interest, mutual going through the actual process of trying to put a deal together. How does that process work within the uh, offices of the Steelers? Well, well, Kevin and his staff handle continual communication with the remainder of the league in terms of pro personnel. And so that's what you mean in terms of dipping your toe in the water and getting a sense of what the climate it is or window shopping, if you will. And that's just doing your due diligence in today's game. Whether or not we're serious shoppers and things of that nature comes down to Kevin and myself and discussions between he and I and identifying specific players uh, to meet a certain need, um, that's more specific and that's done on a as needed or an as interested basis. But just in general, uh, people that work under Kevin are continually abreast of what's going on around the league just to know who's shopping who and who's in the market for what. That's just doing your due diligence. In the case of an in-season trade, uh, what boxes would you want to have checked with whoever you might be interested in bringing in before you would have real interest in bringing someone in? I think if you're putting somebody on a, on a moving train, uh, such as you mentioned, uh, having some intimate knowledge of their character or football character or their day-to-day -day is important. Forget what you see on tape, man. Everybody has access to that. That's global information. But in an effort to feel comfortable, to know how they would, might fit in the group dynamics and what they might bring to your football team, it's good to have some intimate knowledge of who they are as men, how they go about their day-to-day -day business and so forth. And usually that, that comes from shared relationships or past research. Uh, in assessing your team's performance against the Browns earlier in the week, you said, we didn't get an opportunity to see if we were capable of standing up against their type of a running game over the course of four quarters just because of game circumstance. Uh, what's required of a team to stand up uh, to the kind of running game the Browns have, the kind of running game you're going to see from the Titans today over four quarters? It's that attrition element of football that I'm referring to. Um, when a team is committed to the run and the game circumstances doesn't get away from them and they turn and hand the ball off to a featured runner or a featured runners 25-plus times, that has a way of eroding away at a defense and the individuals within a defense. And because we got up on Cleveland the way that we did, it probably minimized some of that um, in terms of their intentions. I think Hunt ended up with maybe 15 rushes or so. Um, that's the same uh, mode of operation that the Tennessee Titans um, subscribe to. So we, we're going into this Tennessee Titan game against a team that's committed to winning by attrition, and we really haven't been tested in that way to this point because of how the game unfolded last week, and that's really just the point that I wanted to make. So we haven't checked that box yet. 
um, chances are if we're going to be successful in this game, we will have to. Is there a psychological element to doing that, to being able to do that for a defense, to stand up to that kind of war of attrition over four quarters beyond the physical demands? It's less about the attrition element of it. It is for a defense and more about the attrition element of it that it is for the individuals within the defense. You know, if we're dealing with a bunch of crack replaces and Joe Hayden and Steve Nelson are having to tackle that back repeatedly, and that occurs several times over the course of those 30 reps, that's different than Vince Williams having to step up and tackle that guy repeatedly. I don't believe that Vince minds. Uh, I think guys like Joe Hayden and Steve Nelson may mind if it gets to be a game of attrition in that way. And so that's what I mean, the difference between 15 or 30 snaps. It's about, you know, 15 so additional snaps of potential exposure of small people who want no element of that business. We, we talked a little bit, uh, you talked a little bit about it at your news conference uh, where you were asked about it uh, when they say the, the phrase, uh, making business decisions. Uh, for players when they're going against a guy like Derrick Henry. Uh, what does that mean? You know, people people always have that discussion in a very tongue-in-cheek manner, but it is a real thing. I mean, you know, you play cornerback in the National Football League, man, and you're going against one wide receiver offensive personnel groups, and they're running the ball at you, and you're 185 pounds, and that back is 250, um, and that happens 25 to 30 times over the course of the game. Um, you know, there's some meetings that you have with yourself. You know, covering people on third down and bump man-to-man, -man, uh, that's their wheelhouse. They relish those opportunities. Some of that other stuff is a little bit foreign to them, and that's one of the things to me that makes football such a unique and interesting and the ultimate team game. Uh, there's very different athletes that have very different challenges week in and week out. Uh, the challenges that Joe Hayden and Steve Nelson – face week to week are very different than the challenges that Cam Hayward and stuff to it face. And there is mutual respect. And that mutual respect is required in, in order for us to be a good defense. And every now and then, Joe Hayden and Steve Nelson are going to have to get dirty and, and do the gritty things that, that may be unattractive to them. And every now and then, Cam Hayward and, and Steph to it are going to have to cover some grass and turn and chase a screen and make a necessary play for us in space. Uh, that's just the thing about it that makes it uh, such the great game that it is. When guys are doing that, making business decisions, uh, and you're watching it on video or you're seeing it in person, what does it look like? It looks like they turned it down uh, because that's what they did. Um, an opportunity to compete, uh, to cower, if you will, to worry about your personal well-being over the well-being of the collective group. Um, it's a gory discussion. It's the elephant in the room. But that is life in our business, and particularly at this level. Uh, the Titans quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, uh, he's the former number one pick. In fact, he was eighth overall in 2012. And he, he's a guy who even started his first game as his rookie season. But come March 2019, he gets traded for a fourth-round pick. What happened to his career uh, to, for it to go the way it did and then for him to seemingly be resurrected with the Titans as one of the – most efficient guys in the league, it's certainly at least this year. To be honest with you, I hadn't followed his career closely enough to, to, to probably give you a really accurate assessment of it. But I'll just say this, um, a lot of times individual success has a lot to do with global environments. He's in a good, stable environment right now. Uh, he's in an offensive system that's, that's running back centric, and, and that is always helpful to the quarterback. 
uh, at least from some of the things that you mentioned, such as efficiency uh, and ratings and so forth. Play pass is much more effective uh, when, when people are worried about that 250-pound animal back there that's seven and a half, eight yards behind him. You know, that's a component of it. I don't know that he had that type of a guy in Miami, but there's a lot of things that go into that discussion. There's layers to that onion. 